the first thing you have to do is realize that you're going to have to take action. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Man Talks Podcast. My name is Roger Nairn. And I'm Connor Beaton. Today's guest is Mr. Jason Connell. Jason has gone through a roller coaster in life, and along that journey, he has discovered the most beautiful of life lessons that only life experiences can teach. From a very young age, Jason Connell was obsessed with perception, behaviors, and psychology, where he started his career as a child entertainer who performed over 300 live magic shows before his 18th birthday. After high school, Jason attended a small liberal arts college for a few semesters before realizing this wasn't the life he wanted to live, so he packed up his things and traveled the world to experience it firsthand. His travels dispelled the illusions of limitations that hold us back from our dreams and allowed him to channel his inner potential to become the successful coach he is today. His journey was challenging. Jason had to deal with financial struggle, the loss of loved ones, and broken relationships to really feel broken to the core, which is when he began working on his relationship with the self. Today, Jason helps people develop confidence, authenticity, self-compassion, and self-love because the single most important relationship you'll ever have is a relationship with yourself. So without further ado, let's bring on Mr. Jason Connell. Hey, Jason, welcome to the Man Talks podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So before we get started, we always like to ask our guests if they can share with us uh, a defining moment for them as a man. Sure. I haven't talked about this for a long time. One of the mistakes that I was making as a man and one of the mistakes that I see a lot of men making is that I was playing small. I, I was pretending like I didn't matter. I was pretending like people didn't care about me. I was pretending like the words I said and the actions I took had no consequence whatsoever for myself, let alone other people. And I, my, my story is a little strange, but when I was 19, I dropped out of college and I spent three years traveling the world and I attended the graduation ceremony that I would have been graduating from myself had I stayed in college because I still had a bunch of friends that were attending the ceremony and that were graduating. And there were two speakers that had been elected by the student body. These were people from my would-have-been graduating class. And both of the speakers were friends of mine, and they directly quoted me in their graduation speeches to, to their peers and to the friends and family that had attended. And that did two big things for me as defining me as a man. One, it made me realize, holy shit, I am powerful. And, and it started to rewrite this illusion that a lot of men are captivated by, and that is the illusion of being powerless. And two, on a, on a kind of more intimate note, it completely and totally broke me down. And I was just sitting there sobbing through the entire graduation ceremony. And I'm sure that I had been that I had cried before as, as a young man, but never had I allowed myself to, with such abandon, so so personally and intimately experience my emotions. And I see a lot of guys, especially with the more vulnerable emotions, just pretending like they don't exist. And it forced me back into reality of thinking, oh, wow, I do have these these vulnerable emotions and it's good to embrace them. Nice. It's a, that's a great story and a great example. And I, I can imagine that it was probably... Uh a good, a good boost to a sense of, of self-worth and self-confidence that you had made the right choice and that the path that you were on was, was the correct one. Yeah, absolutely. And finding that path is hard for a lot of people, myself included at times, because 
the path that most people, the default path that you will follow if you never take control of your life. I don't think it actually works for anybody to wake up to a blaring alarm, work from nine to five for a boss that you hate under fluorescent lighting, staring at a screen, come home, live with a partner that you really, really, really want to love, but actually you just like him or her quite a bit, uh, watch TV for a few hours, be overweight, and then rinse and repeat every day. So, so what was it that that your friends saw in you that you, that you weren't seeing in yourself? I mean, what did they, what did they, um, uh, you know, what did they, what did they show you? Wow, that's an interesting question. I, I guess I never considered that. Well, they part of it was that this is very personal, but that I mattered to them. I had believed that if I was out of sight for these for these guys, that I was also out of mind or out of their heart. And I was traveling around the world, Europe, Asia, Africa, South America, and watching their lives play out. This is going to date me a little bit. I, I just turned 30. But when this was happening, Facebook was just starting to get popular. And I was watching their lives play out on Facebook and the parties they were going to and the dates they were going on and all this stuff. And I thought, man, they've completely forgotten about me. And I felt a massive level of disconnect from them. And when I got there and, and I realized that they hadn't forgotten about me, that was like almost turning life from black and white into HD. It was a much more vivid experience of the actual human experience. And I think you just—I mean, I think you just highlighted uh, something that, you know, I don't—I don't want to paint, paint too broad of a brush, but I think uh, you know a lot of millennials are experiencing these days as we're as we're more um, prone to travel and and we're and we're jumping from job to job and trying new things, we have a tendency to leave some of our friendships behind. And, and, you know, the, the reality is that true friendships aren't, you know, are, are never going to go away. And, and I think you just highlighted something that probably a lot of people are dealing with as well. I mean, especially also, you know, like you said, you look at all these different social media channels and, and you see all these amazing lives going on and, and, and you think to yourself, you know, that could have been me or that could have been me with them. And, and it's just not the case, but the reality is that friendship is still there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think part of the reason I was failing to see this, and I know from the from the men and women I've worked with, that part of the reason people tend to fail to sense that connection and friendship is because they've drifted from themselves. They get caught up in social media or, you know, the sort of ritualistic drinking, like having one or two drinks a night or being really busy or being really stressed. And if you can't feel your connection to yourself, there's no way in hell that you can feel your connection to other people. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I, I just kind of want to go back. And I'm just curious, you know, it sounds like you took a path that was a little bit out of the social norm. You know, I think most people, a lot of people have this sort of traditional idea of, you know, graduate high school, jump into college, go to college, get a degree, get out of college or, or university and, you know, move from, uh, move from that straight into a career. Right. And then jump from career to career and, and trying to find some resemblance of fulfillment. And I'm curious, you know, what what kind of made the shift for you? Why did you leave, decide to leave university and, and pursue what you do now? Well, I this is going to spin back to when I was six years old, but I will give you the, the fast version. When I was six, my dad asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? And at the time, probably like a lot of boys, I was really interested in magic tricks. And I had said to my dad. I'd like to do, I'd like to be a professional magician. And he asked me this really sharp question that made a lot of sense to the innocent mind of a six-year-old. The question was, why do you have to wait until you grow up to be a professional magician? And weirdly, 
I was like, oh shit, good point. I can be a professional magician now. And you could read that as confidence. And a lot of, if, to outsiders looking in, a lot of the behavior that you see me performing appears like confidence. In reality, this was ignorance. So my assumption at six was, oh man, I could be a professional magician and started working to put together magic shows. And I, what I got right and what I hope other people get right is I loved magic. I thought magic was great. So practicing it, studying it, dedicating it to myself, dedicating myself to it, sorry, was almost effortless because it felt like play. And slowly but surely, I became a professional magician. At six, I was performing my neighbor's birthday party for 10 bucks. By the time I was 18, I was performing for Fortune 500s and professional sports teams and all that stuff. And I, and I left it. And that was maybe the other thing that I got right. And something that I see a lot of people getting wrong was we tend to hold ourselves hostage to outmoded versions of who we truly are. When I was 6, 12, 15, magic was perfect for me. Time I was 17, 18, 19, I hated it. I, I really didn't want to do it anymore. So from, and I, I left. So from a young age, I learned that one, what most people perceive as like a well-defined reality and a path that you have to follow, it's just bullshit. Like that is a complete and total illusion. Uh, and, and two, I realized, huh, if I chase something that is true to me, it might just work out. And, and it tends to. So from a young age, I, I kind of got lucky and had a really good operating system loaded up or really good, what psychologists might call a life strategy of realizing, okay, I can figure out how to make the stuff I love work for me. And this is not true just for me. This is true for every single person. Now, it might require a little bit of cleverness and it might require a little bit of experimentation. And definitely not every single thing that you love can be turned into a, a, a business that's going to make a huge amount of money for you. But if you're not chasing that down and if you're telling yourself, hey, I'm going to wait until the future to do this thing that I love, you are betraying yourself as a man. It's, it's a huge mistake to do that. So from there, I, I kind of got in the habit of checking in with myself. And this is something to this day I spent a lot of time doing. And I realized, okay, college did not work for me. So I dropped out. And what I wanted to do was travel. So I traveled and I didn't have money. But And that's another barrier. I see a lot of men in a loose, like a fake barrier that I see a lot of men surrendering to is the money barrier. They tell themselves, well, I don't have any money, so I can't do this now. No, 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 no. That is a lack of creativity. It's not a real problem. It's a problem that you're using to continue calling yourself small and, and calling yourself weak and calling yourself powerless. None of that stuff is true. So it's this ebb and flow of just realizing, okay, college doesn't work for me or traveling perpetually doesn't work for me or the job offers I have in front of me doesn't work for me and refusing the sort of lazy game or the lazy illusion of, well, even if it doesn't work for me, I've got to accept it and just playing a slightly different game of, how can I turn what I love into something that's going to serve me? Yeah, I, I think it's like the old generation versus the you know the new generation. So I'm I'm hearing you know you you needed to find what it is that you were meant to be doing, and it and it sounds as if you've discovered that. So to give the listeners some context as to what's going on in your life these days, uh, I wonder if you can share with us a little bit more, you know, a lot more about what Ignited Leadership is all about and what that looks like for your, um, for your followers. Sure. Absolutely. But before I do that, just a note to people listening, 
to my perspective, what you're meant to be doing evolves and changes over time. So if you've been doing something you love and it's not working for you, let it go. Create space in your life, find the next thing. And it's funny that you ask about ignited leadership because that's something that I'm slowly letting go of right now. So ignited leadership for the past eight years has been my speaking and consulting company. And I've worked with, it started with college students and it ended up being exceptionally high performing men and women on self-love and self-compassion. And when I started, I was giving like five trainings a year, making no money whatsoever. And then by the time I, I, and I really honestly in the past week just started winding this down. In fact, it was eight days ago that I committed to that. Uh, By the time I stopped, I was doing as many as 50 trainings a year around the world at clients all over the place for it's similar to the trajectory of the magic business for, you know, sports teams and for executives, fortune 500 senior members of the United States government, as well as college students and sixth graders and, and, and the whole spectrum of people. And what happened for me was the, the travel just got to be too much. And the pressure of always being on stage and in front of people and always being on got to be way too much. And I also, on top of the intrinsic stress of working full time as a speaker, realized that this was no longer serving me. And and what I do now and what I'm growing into is my role as a writer and a consultant. And I, I still write on the same topic, and that is the individual's relationship to him or herself. And I work and have been for the past about six months or so working with a similar demographic, men and women that have high IQs, high emotional quotients, but feel like something is missing in their life. And these people tend to be professional athletes or working artists or founders or whatever. As a side note to that, exceptionally high-performing individuals, that high performance is oftentimes symptomatic of a flawed relationship to themselves. They, they don't realize how worthy of love they are, or how awesome they are. They don't know how to access their intrinsic happiness or confidence. And I help with that. And the flip side is when I'm not working with individuals one-on-one or writing, I've recently started doing trainings for psychologists, psychiatrists, and coaches. Very cool. And so you, I mean, you kind of talked about, you know, letting, letting things go. And I think this is, um, this is kind of like a, a theme that I, that I kind of see, uh, throughout your life. That's very powerful. Cause I think a lot of people really struggle with this aspect of things. And, you know, there's, there's something called the, the sunk cost bias, which is basically, you know, it, it's the idea that we will hold on to things in our lives simply because we have them longer than we pot- probably should. And so a lot of people get stuck in a relationship or in a job or, you know, driving the same car, even though they freaking hate it. Um, or, you know, they're in a, in a marriage that hasn't been serving either, either people for years. They, they get, they get stuck in there because of this this concept, this uncost bias. And, and basically it's because, you know, we're prone to stay with things that we know and that we are comfortable with rather than exploring the unknown. And that we've invested and that we've invested in. Yeah. And that we've invested in. So I really like the idea that, you know, you not only talk about this, this principle, um, inadvertently, but you are actually living it. You're actually okay with saying, you know what, this isn't serving me. I know it's not serving me. I know that it's not what I want to do anymore. And, and then exploring the unknown and kind of like leaning into this, into this space. And, you know, for the listeners that are out there, I'm sure that this is very relevant because, you know, maybe they have 
something that's not serving them anymore in, in their life. And so I would kind of say, I'm kind of curious as to what is your insight to those people who are listening about how they can make that transition. You know, maybe it is a relationship that they're in or, or a career um, transition that they're coming up to. And, you know, they're, they're probably scared shitless because it's, a, it's a, that's a big, that's a big space to, to lean into. So I would, I would ask you what advice can you give people who are about to step into this transition or who are thinking about making that transition? Yeah, great question. And, and good observation on the sunk cost bias as well. Casinos make tons of money off that glitch of human behavior thinking, oh, well, the, the roulette wheel or the, what's the thing called where you pull the lever and you try and get three cherries? I forget what it's called. Uh, slot machine. Yeah, slot, slot machine. Slot machine, thank you. The roulette wheel, the slot machine hasn't paid off recently, but it's got to in the future because I put in $100 and it's just bullshit. That's not how it works. So great question about transitions because it's something that we're never taught in school. And it's something that every single person inevitably is going to deal with. And the first thing is to realize that you cannot think yourself out of problems. Most men have spent 18 plus years in school and they have trained their brains to be really, really, really talented, really strong, really effective. But your brain is not alone going to be enough to sort of guide you through a transition because even though you've been told reading and reflecting and writing and all that shit will solve everything, it's just not true. So the first thing you have to do is realize that you're going to have to take action. And a lot of times, especially if you are into personal development, the narrative around taking action is that you just have to leap off the high dive or you have to jump out of the plane and do everything dramatically. And the term that speakers and writers and, and coaches use is make massive changes or whatever, take massive action. And that's just bullshit. That's not at all how people actually work. A much more effective strategy is to take baby steps, to put in five or 10 or 15 minutes each day. Let's just say that you are in a relationship and you know it's time to wind down. And, and maybe you've even been married for 10 or 15 years and, and you just know it's over. Keep in mind that though I'm going to use the relationship avatar, the process remains the same for whatever transition you're going to go through. So realize you have to take action. The second thing is realize it's going to be turbulent because one of the assumptions that all of us make unconsciously is that tomorrow is going to be pretty much like today. And 99 times out of 100, that assumption is accurate. You know, But then when you go through a huge transition, suddenly that assumption is no longer accurate. And your mind and your heart go through this massive, massive, massive recalibration process. So take action. And when you notice that you're turbulent and you notice that your reality is not holding together quite how it used to, that's okay. Surrender to that. Let go of the need to be perfect all the time. What happens usually is men undergoing transition hold themselves to the same standards that they hold themselves to when they are stable. And that's just crazy because so much is going on in your life during transition that you will not be nearly as effective. So if you miss a workout or if you can't return your buddy's call or you know a couple things fall through the cracks, instead of beating yourself up, which is what most men will do, use this as an opportunity to accept that you are human and as such that you're going to be imperfect. And within that, that's cool. That's totally fine. And from there, a lot of men will start to notice two things. One, 
the transition is sort of unfolding on its own and it's picking up momentum and it's going well because they're taking action and they're dwelling in reality. But two, that, and part of my French, that it's really fucking hard. That turbulence of rejiggering your reality is always, always, always difficult. And I find that in addition to giving yourself little treats, like maybe having an extra soy latte or just spending the night in or buying yourself a nice scotch, that one thing that works really well is periodically shutting everything down and just locking yourself up in your apartment or in a hotel or whatever and just watching Netflix for a day or reading for a day or going for a long walk without your phone just to sort of put yourself in neutral mode for a while to make recalibrating easier. And the final tip that really helps with transitions are two final tips. One is if you can have some sort of a still point in your life, something that's going to be steady. For me, the way this shows up is usually in like series that I'm watching on Netflix, as well as albums that I'm listening to on repeat. And this way, even if you're going through the breakup and you're crying a lot and you're moving out or whatever, there's this little part of reality that remains steady. And that sounds crazy and ineffectual, but try it. And you'll notice that it works really, really, really well. And the final thing to remember is that if this is painful, if this is difficult, if this is discombobulating, that probably means you're on the right path right. and it probably means that you're human. Right. And, and, and do you, I mean, do you recommend guys go through these changes purely on their own or do they need a support system? Oh, I love that question. Support system. Yeah. And, and what, is, and what does that look like to you? I mean, uh, in, in your past, when you've made these sorts of transitions, how have you, um, utilized your support system? So I have a, a small stable of really close guy friends and then two mentors. And I, when I am in flux, I lean on these guys. Both my mentors are also men. I lean on these guys quite a bit. This ranges from like interrupting a buddy's vacation in Japan to send him a three-page email and be like, hey, man, I really would like it if you responded to this. And being okay with the reality that you need other people sometimes and you need support and connection and, and sort of that boost from other people uh, to calling up my mentor and saying, hey, I'm, I'm really not doing okay right now. Can we talk for an hour? I think you, I think you just touched on a really important piece there where it's you know, especially for men where it's, it's the realization that it's okay to need support. I, I think so many times we, we go through these things on our own. And, and I know Connor likes to use the saying, you know, there, we, we create these, these lone wolf mentalities where we can, you know, we, we have to do these things on our own. And that's what gives us our, our strength and power. But the reality is that we need that support system because it's not easy to get through on our own. Yeah. If, if I could give one piece of advice to a lot of modern men, it would be stop pretending to be so fucking strong and break down, surrender. Like all the pain you've been holding on to, all the bullshit illusions, like you can do this alone. Let them go. And men never do this because they view it as a sign of weakness. But when you let go of those illusions and this bullshit narrative, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this on my own. What happens is you collapse, you feel the pain that you've been avoiding and suppressing. And beneath the pain, you find this massive storehouse of power and connection and joy. Camus has this quote, and I'm going to butcher it. Within me, I found beneath the winter or dark winter, I found an eternal spring or something along that. And that's totally true, but it requires first actually dealing with the pain and stripping away the illusions. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a it's a really good point. And I think you know, I think there's a there's a balance. You know, there's a balance where that we need to strike between this 
sense of individualism and, you know, self-confidence and self-strength and, um, you know, being able to understand that we have what it takes in order to go off into the world and, and, and achieve some of the things that we want to achieve. But when it comes to things like, you know, struggling through a divorce or going through a breakup or, you know, your, your business is struggling or, or you need, you need help building it or, or whatever the case may be, you know, there's so much power in being able to build you know, a, a, a tribe of a tribe of guys, or however you want to call it, whether it's your wolf pack or your ba- band of brothers, or you know, whatever whatever label you want to give to it, there is so 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 much power in having men who are around you who you know think the same, not act the same necessarily, but they have the, you have they have a very similar mindset and they fill the gaps for you. Like you know, I think within our team, for example, you know, Roger is extremely operations oriented and. He's like, he just understands how to get shit done and how to structure things. Whereas I'm more like vision oriented and can sometimes just live up in the big picture. And so, you know, it can be extremely valuable to have, to have those, uh, counterweights to your life. So it's, it's a hugely valuable point. Do you, do you see this in millennials? Cause it sounds like you've worked a lot with millennials and, and I'm curious as to whether or not this is a, a huge struggle that you've kind of seen, uh, be, be a part of, of their up and coming. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right to say that I I have worked with uh, millennials for a long time. My specialty was 18 to 35 year olds. And what you had just said, I will answer your question directly, but this ties in what you just said of needing a balance, I think is really, really sharp because especially this is going to sound a little bit sexist, but especially for men, I think that it helps to be internally driven. I think it really helps to go inside yourself, find what you are being called towards or what feels true to you or what your strong desires are. Use whatever language you want for that and then move forward. And once you have that internal orientation, then I think it's time to call in the reinforcements and say, hey, you know what? I'm crappy at marketing or I don't know the words to use for this breakup or I'm having a little bit of trouble finding the confidence to launch this business. Can you help me? And sort of call them in as needed. I tend to see millennials, and I think this is true of other generations as well, falling towards one end or the other, where they try and do everything all at once. And inevitably, that doesn't work out. Or, and I see this a little more often, I I, I find them lacking the ability to actually decide for themselves and find that path. And this plays out in the macro scale, where you hear people saying, oh, you know, I just don't know my, I don't know myself or I don't know what my passions are. Or I don't know what I want to do with my life. And one of the things that they're asking for when people say that is for advice and perspective and for somebody to take the lead for them. You got to start off by taking the lead yourself. But where it's really interesting to me is where that plays out in the micro perspective when somebody is at the cafe or they're at the restaurant and they can't figure out what to order. So they address the group of people that they're with. and like, do you think I want the, the ham sandwich or the panini or the grilled chicken salad? I just don't know. And it's like, God damn it. It doesn't fucking matter. Make a decision. Trust yourself for God's sakes. Yeah, it's a, it's a really valid point. I think I saw this a lot. Um, I, I used to work for, for Apple. And I think a lot of the employees that, um, that, I, that I helped to to build and, and work with, you know, I, I think a, a lot of them really struggled with this sense because it's such a group mentality. They're growing up in a, 
in a culture and a space where they're connected with so many people, even people that they don't even really know. Like you think about your, <laughs> your Facebook profile right now. Like I think, I mean, without sounding like, you know, arrogant because it's just a number, but I have like, there's like 2000 people on my friend list. And how many of those people do I actually know on an intimate level? And so this is what millennials... Thanks a lot, jerk. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is, this is what millennials are growing up in is, you know, they'll have a few thousand people on Facebook and, you know, 10,000 people following them on Twitter and Instagram. And it's all about, it's all about likes and it's all about the, the sort of like group mentality. And so when it comes to that sort of deep understanding of, what direction they want to take things and what decisions they should make. It's, it's often very, very challenging. Yeah. And, and then um, people are sitting there pretending like it matters if you fail. People are so damn afraid of failure and especially failing in public that they end up with paralysis and they try and get every single person's opinion before they take, you know, half an inch step forward, which is ridiculous. I, I would love it if people let go of this, this mentality, like, oh, I can't fail. Bullshit. You're going to fail. And it's no big deal. And on top of that, Every single person that you have ever admired has failed way more than you have. So instead of being reluctant because you don't know what the right step is and trying to think your way out of the problem and build group consensus, take a damn chance of actually doing what you want to do and see how it goes back. I promise you, you'll get feedback from reality. If it's great and you love it, move forward. If it's not, no fucking big deal. Nobody's paying that careful attention anyways, and it's okay to get the wrong results from time to time. Jason, if you were to look back into your past, where do you think this this mindset of of change came from? Who you know who cultivated that? Helped to cultivate that for you? You know, I think the honest answer to that, and this is a kind of jarring contrast to the little curse filled rant on failure, is that I'm a really sensitive guy. That plays out in that, like, if I drink too much caffeine, I become something like a bipolar person. And also within my, my intimate relationships, there have been times when like I was totally hurt by something that was really small and I, I didn't mean to, but scaled out to how I live my day to day. A lot of times, if something is not working for me, I feel a lot of pain or a lot of resistance or a lot of friction around it. And it just becomes crazy not to make a change. So I think honestly, it's like a, a gift curse of being sensitive. Right. So this tension builds up in you and, and you just have to do something about it. Yeah. Cause I, a lot of people when they're on the wrong path and need to make a change, but don't their, their emotions just slowly turn off. And that's not a state that I can really live in. It's right. not a state anybody can live in really. Right. But, but I think a lot of men are, and a lot of men don't have the balls to, to, to a acknowledge that and B you know, uh, change it. Yeah, they, a lot of men are. I think they do have the balls, but they don't believe that they have the balls. So temporarily, they are imprisoned by their own illusion. And in that case, and if you are a man listening to this, here are two paths forward that will work for you. And you recognize yourself in what we're discussing. One is get a coach or a mentor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. One of the worst things that we've done is stigmatize the need for mental health. I was talking to a psychologist recently about the patterns that men go through with depression, and they tend to just dwell in the depression instead of actually handling it. Look, I'll give you a hint for any man that this resonates with. The truly strong, the truly confident men get the help that they need because they realize they are spectacular. They realize that they can exercise more strength. 
by dwelling in reality and handling problems head on. The other thing that will work, and this is a little bit more of a path for, for, for warriors, is to feel all the pain. If you are living with your emotions turned off, you have things in your life, or if you are accepting a reality that you know is mediocre, you have things in your life that's buffering you from that reality. For most men, and I, I mentioned these earlier, it tends to be something along the lines of like a couple drinks a night, watching TV, hanging out with acquaintances you don't actually care about, a relationship that you want to work, but does not actually work for you. Start removing all of those things that buffer you from reality that you're using to numb yourself and feel all of the crippling pain that you've been avoiding. And that pain is going to become so unpleasant for you that you're going to start making changes automatically. Yeah, it's it's a really valid point. And I think, you know, back to the, the comment about, uh, you know, a coach or a mentor, I, I think we've you know, we often undervalue the power and th this isn't, this isn't some like call to action for people to go out and find a freaking life coach. This is, <laughs> this is just like the power of, of having mentors in our life, especially, you know, we've, our culture has kind of gone away from this idea of initiation and we've, we've moved further and further away from, you know, boys moving into manhood through, through these sort of like trials and tribulations of, of initiation. And it's one of the biggest challenges of like, how do we actually recreate and, and build this back into our society? And so, you know, even as a, even as a young man, like I think back to when I was singing and one of the most powerful transitions in my life happened because I had a mentor and, you know, he was a, he was a singing coach. Um, and he also, we also worked together and did like neurolinguistics programming. Uh, he taught me NL, NLP, but it was such a great insight because he was quite a bit older. He was like in his late seventies and you know, not that you need to go find somebody that's like 70 years old. Um, but it's so <laughs> powerful. Big, long white beard. Yeah. He was, he was like, robe. he was like white Yoda. Speaks in paradox. He was basically, he was <laughs> yeah. basically white Yoda, yeah. but um, you know, it's, it's so powerful. And I attribute my sort of transition from this, from this boyhood and, and this acting like a, you know, more like a child and more like a boy into, into, re, you know, feeling and, and acting like a real man and taking ownership at, over my, over my, you know, choices yeah, to, to that mentorship so model. Yeah. There, there's this huge need. I think everybody should read this book, The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. It's super engaging. And one of the things he points out is that for millennia, humans of all stripes have undergone rituals, particularly to mark the transition from boy to man, girl to woman. And in this culture, the Western world, we don't have that ritual at all. And always these rituals were guided by older men for the boys and older women for the girls. And that, I believe, does something really profound psychologically. And for the guys listening, and stop me if you disagree, but one of the best things that you can do about figuring out how to step fully into your manhood, or sorry, one of the best things that happens when you step fully into your manhood is you become way more attractive to women because talk to a couple women and you'll notice that what the women are getting, if you talk to them on Tinder or from the men that actually have the audacity to approach them at bars or cafes is they're not getting the men that they want that are comfortable taking a chance and comfortable dwelling in reality. They're getting these weird like manlings that will flirt with the idea of taking a chance and they'll flirt with the idea of expressing attraction or, or, or whatever, but not actually do it. And when you take the time to start thinking of yourself as a man, which really is a lot easier with some sort of mentor or coach, 
you'll notice that you get huge results from the women in your life because they can't help but be attracted to men, just like we can't help but be attracted to women. And those results actually, by the way, don't just exist in your love life, but they'll start rippling through to your business, your relationships, your happiness, your athleticism in many cases. And it's a not simple transition, but it's not that difficult either. It just requires leaning into it. Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest traps that a lot of modern men fall into is this idea that uh, sex is initiation into manhood, that losing their virginity is actually the transition. And And then what happens is that becomes for a lot of, for a lot of guys, that becomes like this reestablishing, uh, of their masculinity, of their manhood. So that, you know, when, when shit hits the fan in their life at their job or whatever, sex becomes like this sort of reaffirmation that they, they are indeed in control or in charge. And then their, their masculinity is dependent uh, and their manhood, their sense of, you know, feeling like they're a man and not a boy actually becomes sex, which is really unfortunate. And so for everybody listening out there, if you feel like you stepped into manhood by having, by losing your virginity for the first time, that that's <laughs> just more work to do. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a bunch of manlings. manlings. <laughs> that's what I had never thought of that. That's a really good point. I'm thinking of one client in particular right now who has built a multi-million dollar business and is obsessed with chasing women and trying to get laid because he needs that exact validation of like, oh, you're a man. And I know this because a strange woman that was drunk at a bar, let me put my penis in her vagina. And he needs to keep and continuously do that. And men do get caught up. And I'm guilty of this from time to time as well in the external world, believing sex or money or status or whatever will trick you into believing you're a man. And it's just not the case. Like if, if you're playing that game with yourself, that's an indication that you're not quite on the path that you're maybe circling towards it, especially if you're getting good results, but you're not really thinking yourself as a man yet. Yeah. Or there, or there's some like core wound that you're trying to ignore and, uh, or, you know, fill, fill the gap for something that you feel like is missing in your life. So, but at the same time, you know, you know, aside from latching on to, to sex as being that, that key initiation, initiate, you know, the, the initiation in, into, into manhood can, can take a lot of forms for a lot of different people. So it's about recognizing what, what that is in your life. Yeah. I agree. So Jason, just before we get wrapped up here, uh, we always like to ask our guests what the legacy piece looks like in your life. You know, what, you know, what do you want to leave in the world, um, you know, for a legacy? So I don't think about that at all. And here's why I don't think I'm going to matter much once I die and to help put this in perspective. In fact, I don't think I'll matter at all. Once I die to put this in perspective, do you know the names of your great grandparents? And do you know like how they are, how they move around the room, what their personality was like? Nor do I. So it takes about, give or take, 150 years before you are completely forgotten on this earth. That is a blink of the eye. So instead of deluding myself into believing, oh man, I'm going to matter a lot once I'm gone. I need to set up this legacy. What I really focus on is living my life as authentically as possible. And in the moments or phases when I'm good at that, helping other people live their lives as authentically as possible. And the only way you can do that is in the moment. So instead of playing this weird game with myself where I'm going to pretend like I'm super important, I try and get caught up in what's happening now. And I guess I have some faith that that is the maximum 
expression of my power more so than trying to manipulate the future. Very, very cool. Uh, and Jason, before we go, how can people learn more about you and uh, perhaps follow you online? Uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Sweet. So I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation that I was stepping away from Ignited Leadership. All my work now can be found at jasonconnell.co. It is J-A-S-O-N-C-O-N-N-E-L-L dot C-O. And that's the clearinghouse for pretty much everything that I'm doing. I'm not really big on social media, mostly because I just get too distracted by it when I pay attention to it. And if people really want to stay up to date, uh, they can sign up for my newsletter, which is very easy to do on the the homepage. And also, if there's something you want to discuss, shoot me an email. I, I work to be pretty accessible. Um, and you can find my email address on my site. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jason. Thank you for being on the show. We really, really, really appreciate that. Um, and thank you to our listeners for listening to the show. Um, you can go to mantalks.com for more podcasts, blog posts, and any videos of our events. Please, of course, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher so that you never miss an episode. And of course, please leave us a rating on iTunes. It helps to go, uh, it's, it helps to get our, 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 podcast into as many ears as possible. It goes a long, long way. And before we go, we have uh, a couple really, really exciting things to announce. Um, for those that don't know, Mantox is now live in both Toronto and Los Angeles, in addition to our Vancouver group. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. So if, if you happen to be in the area, keep uh, keep up to date on, on what's going on in those cities by going to mantox.com. Yeah, so we'll be uh, live live in, in Toronto on April 18th, and we will be live in Los Angeles on April 25th. So both Mondays, we're going to, we're, you know, we're taking Man Talks Mondays all over the world. All over the world. And if you happen to be in a city that doesn't have a Man Talks, please reach out to us on the Man Talks website. We'd love to hear about us coming to your city. We're looking for incredible leaders all around the world. So check us out. Thanks so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with an inspiring man. Inspiring man.